Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers. I have done talks in different places to different kinds of people. But I am so happy to say that I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. And I love all of you so dearly. Regina, especially you. Um, and you too, Auntie Nikki. <laughs> but I, I love you all so dearly. And it is from that space of love that I share this short message today that um, may seem abrasive, but may seem beautiful, may seem abstract, but may seem um, straightforward. Turn with me to the book of uh, John, John chapter 19. Again, we've been walking through the end of Jesus's life, John chapter 19. We're going to begin with verse, uh, yeah, 28. Um, We've been walking through the narrative that leads to the end of Jesus's life, and we've been using the emotional intelligence to better understand how to learn from how Jesus lived near the end of his death, right? So we've talked about um, social awareness. We've talked about um, self-awareness. Um, today we're going to talk about another area of it. Anthony did a great job of teaching on uh, one of the areas. Y'all give it up for him. Self-management is his. Danielle, self-awareness, y'all give it up for her. It was killer. Um, I talked a bit about uh, group dynamics last week and about not um, taking hold of the things that are opinions that people hold of you, all right? But behold them, behold, just look at them, okay? Just look at them. So this week, thanks, just you, Danielle. This week, um, we're gonna talk about another area of emotional quotient that is directly linked with the death of Jesus. And so we'll begin right here um, John chapter 19, verse 28. Podcast listeners, I'm sorry about the fat tongue you just heard there. I don't know what happened. Uh, later, verse 28 says, knowing that everything had now been what? Finished. And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. <laughs> a jar of wine was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is what? Finished. finished. Scripture says, now that it had been finished. And then Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It's essential. It was his choice. Verse 31 now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But, say but. But. When they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear. 
bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Dear God, right now in the name of Jesus, we embrace what is glory in the matter of your death that we might awaken your glory. We embrace, Lord God, what is morbid around how you chose to die that we might live so that we can fully embrace your mercy. God, we do not take for granted that among all the deities, among all of the religious practices and religious leaders known to man, you are the one who put his body where his call was, that we might put our lives where our call is, Lord God, and not where our fall was, in terms of the fallout that humanity had with a relationship with God. Lord, you bridged the gap with your son's very body, and we do not take that lightly. God, we love you. God, we bless you. God, we give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just kind of want to uh, do something I didn't do last week. No, I don't. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus' death provides amazing emotional lessons for living. How this dude died tells us so much about how we can live. If we truly take a close look at how Jesus died, we will truly, in doing so, find how we can live. Isn't that so beautiful about how good God is? That even in how God died on earth, we can find life lessons, right? Relationship management. Now, we've been talking about all of the emotional quotient areas, like how we can grow emotionally. Has anybody been growing emotionally through this part of our thematic series? Oh, my God. I'm telling you, all week, last week, Dude, I did not pick up not one cinder block of somebody else's opinion. And I am so freaking excited. I'm so freaking excited. Look, Natasha looking like, mm, I did. <laughs> I got one in my purse. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I may do it today at the park. You don't know. Relationship management is the last area of emotional quotient that we will explore, this being the last Sunday before we celebrate the resurrection. This being the last Sunday that we explore how Jesus was moving to death. Next week, we'll talk about how he enlivened to life, how he grew to life, right? Relationship management is another area of emotional quotient. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. what I want to focus on right here. Look, this right here. To start and maintain good relationships. This is it. Anybody here have a problem starting relationships? Like starting friendships? I'm so awkward, right? I'm horrible at starting. Anybody have a tough time maintaining? Like you good at starting them, but you terrible at maintaining them? Y'all start off. Look at Wood, got up. <laughs> You start off like, ooh, just angel. When we went to Africa, there was a guy, Willie Motiso, who was, in fact, running to be a member of parliament. And I asked him one day, hey, man, have you ever been to the United States? He said, yeah, I've been. He's like, as a matter of fact, my son is marrying a Hispanic woman. This is a Kenyan man. My son is marrying a Hispanic woman from San Antonio. I was like, oh, my God, talk about the cross-cultural analysis that you explored in San Antonio, being a Kenyan, watching your son about to marry a Hispanic woman. He said, well, we chose to stay at the angel phase. I was like, well, what's the angel phase? He's like, there are three phases of relationship development. He said, the first phase is the angel phase. 
He said the second phase is the devil phase. He said, but then the third phase is the human phase. He said, we don't feel like going through the devil. We didn't have as much time. <laughs> our passport, our visa was going to expire. We thought that we may end on the devil phase before we had to go back. <laughs> so we just chose to keep it on the angel phase. Haven't you noticed, though, that in starting and developing relationships, you experience those three oh, movements, yeah. right? And sometimes we get stuck in the devil phase, and we believe that the person that we are in a relationship is the antagonist of our very souls. Yeah. Simply because we don't have the emotional fortitude to not just start the relationship, but to maintain the good relationship, to keep the relationship going just long enough for you to recognize that the person you're in the relationship with is just as human as you are and susceptible to mistakes, right? So today we're gonna to talk about how not to just start relationships, but how to maintain relationships, and we're gonna look at how Jesus died. The very last moments of the one who was fully human and fully God, how he died to learn how to bring more life our relationships. I'm so happy that we serve a God, dude, who in the last few moments of his life has an eternity to learn from, right? We have an eternity to learn from how Jesus died in the last few seconds of his life. And so we'll explore that eternity. Um, let's read this together. Ready? Read. For God was in Christ, the world to Stop right there. Isn't that so cool? That God was inside Jesus while Jesus was on the planet. And I love how Rebecca says the planet hanging in the galaxy, right? Yeah. Planet hanging in the galaxy, God hanging inside the very soul of Jesus, and Jesus was reconciling the whole globe unto himself, right? No longer, ready, read, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Jesus dying on the cross is a life lesson of how to reconcile differences. Jesus died to reconcile the difference that we had with whom? One another. One another? Thank you. With whom else? Who was we messed up with before Jesus came along with? God. That boy, God gave us the deuces. He's like, you know what? I'm done. Have you ever been done with your children? Those of you who have children, right? Those of you who don't, praise God. All right. You know, your kid just at the end of the day, they ain't take no nap. They hungry, they tired, nor in the beginning of the day. They hungry, they tired, and you just so happen to stop by the store and they want every last item in the store, including the mannequins, right? <laughs> I want a mannequin! They just want, and you just, you know, you just want to drop them. <laughs> you just want to leave them. You just want to say, what? I'm done. <laughs> but God, through the life of Christ, helped us through the power of Jesus' death to understand the true nature of reconciliation, how to reconcile one human being with the other through the divine glue that is the death of Jesus Christ. I wanna ask you a question. What keeps us from starting relationships? This is not rhetorical, I really wanna know. What keeps us from starting relationships? Yes. Um, what happened in Past relationships, mm-hmm. Retro relationships. Forcing how you think it may end. Mm. Forcing how you think you may end. No, foreseeing. Like foreseeing. Oh, okay. Projecting the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's another reason that keeps? Like a lot of times people forget what they need to say companionship Oh, we just feel like we could do it on our own. Uh huh. That's right. Yeah, we could do it best by ourselves. Don't want nobody else messing up our lives. Yes, Mike. Ten thousand forms of fear. Wow, 10,000, 10,000, yes. Either a superiority complex or an inferiority complex. 
superiority complex or an inferiority complex. And most superior complex, superiority complexes are really masks for inferiority complexes. Yes. There's nothing, there's no glue here. It's nothing's gonna keep us together, right? I, I, really, I, I don't really relate to this person. I think all of those things are true. What keeps us from keeping relationships? What keeps us from keeping relationships, in your opinion? Not nurturing, not maintaining yeah, exactly. the father. That's so true. That's so true. Anybody else? Yes, Devon. Feeling like we don't have time. Feeling like we don't have time, which is the maintenance issue. Yes, yes, sir. A lack of patience, which is also time, 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 time. Woody. Unwilling to forgive. Right. An unwillingness to forgive. That's right. And Danielle taught us that unforgiveness is telling the same story over and over again, right? You said what? unaddressed hurt feelings, right? I think that we continue to start what is already finished in old relationships and never finish what is starting in new relationships. I know it sounds odd, but check this out. Jesus said, <laughs> I, I, I promise I, you know, I always do this. I always get to this and then I start breaking it down before I get to the rest of the thing. And then the sermon is 10 minutes longer than I planned for it to be. So I'm just gonna let you take pictures of it and be disciplined. <laughs> Okay, all right. Jesus said what? It is finished. You know, we all have it's. And many of them is finished, but we think they ain't. Most of the it's that keep us from healthy relationships, we think are still going, are gone. If you had an argument with somebody one millisecond ago, that argument and everything involved in it but we think it ain't. <laughs> we think it's still going. In fact, we think it's still going with everybody else around us, right? We keep starting stuff with things that are already finished. In John chapter 19, verse 30, turn there with me. John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus taught us how to finish, dog. He taught us how to end it, how to be done. John chapter 19, verse 30. I didn't mean to offend you by saying dog, I'm sorry. It's just urban English vernacular for my dear friends. <laughs> okay. Um, verse 30 says this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And check this out. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was he doing with his head when he bowed it? I think that Jesus was imagining what God would start if he chose to finish what was done. So he was finishing to what? Start. How many times do we keep things going because we are afraid that there is nothing we can imagine good that will start? So we keep the old nasty thing going that's really finished because we are afraid to imagine that there is a new beginning for us somewhere. In the negative sense, not in the positive sense, we say, it's not over. No, it ain't. No, I still got something else to say. 
It's not over. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. But wait a minute. What if you stop imagining what more you could say about what's finished and begin to imagine what more there is to do about how you can start anew? Jesus said, it is what? Finished. Well, thank you for asking. How do we start relationships, Marlon? Man, you guys ask great questions. Thank you. You begin by telling yourself, I will start only what I can finish well. Start only what you can finish well. If you cannot finish it well, don't what? That boy Jesus did not start anything. He could not, on the cross, finish. If you can't end it well, don't start it good, bad, or even indifferently. You'll never start anything good if you're always starting what will end bad. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. You'll never start anything good if you're always starting what will end bad. If you're so focused on starting arguments that will that were started to end bad, you'll never start anything else in your life that was designed to start and end good. Stop starting things you know won't end bad, man. Don't start anything that won't finish well. If you have to start off your sentence like this, I know this may not be the best thing to say, but don't say it. <laughs> I mean, I know this probably ain't the right time. If it's not, if you cannot start if you know it's going to end bad, don't start it. Jesus ended well on the cross. If you in your mind or out your mouth, and sometimes we think that saying this gives us a pass. I mean, I told you, I, I told you it may not be the right time. But that meant that you knew it wasn't the right time. So you saying this meant that you wanted to end this poorly. You started your sentence to end it what? Bad. I want to ask you, is your head where Jesus' was? The Bible says he submitted his thoughts with power. Now here's the tradition. The tradition in this period of crucifixion was that the person right before dying would lift their head so as to provide air passage for their very last breath. And they would lift their heads up like this and then bow their heads. But Jesus didn't do that. The Bible says Jesus said it's finished. He did not lift up his head. He bowed his head and died. You know what theologians say that really means divinely? That means that Jesus said, I am more powerful than the folks who are crucifying me. You can't kill me. I died. I didn't die because you killed me. I died because I chose to, and I chose to die in a way that nobody else on this cross has ever died. He chose to finish it. Don't you know that finishing what you're called to finish is a choice? You have to choose it, and it's a mindset. And that mindset is the imagination. The mindset is, is that I'm going to choose to imagine that what there is to start after I finish this is more powerful than keeping this mess going. You don't have to deflate to finish. Here's the thing. We think that if we bow our heads, in other words, if you're in the midst of an argument with somebody, and right before you say something that is a rebuttal, choose with power to finish it and say, I'm sorry, I love you. What do you want to eat? That's doing this. 
But most of us keep going until we do this, you know, until we're gasping for the last breath because we say, hey, I'm not a quitter. You don't have to deflate to finish. You don't have to be weak to finish. In fact, you can take finishing within your own power and say, by the power of Jesus Christ, I am choosing to finish this argument with the I love you. That's how Jesus died. Jesus died with power. Marlon, how do we keep relationships? Very simple. Stop, start, mess. You will never finish a masterpiece of a friendship if you keep starting mess that is already finished. Why do we keep starting stuff in our relationships that's already over? You know what, that's just like you said last time. That reminds, you know what, you always do that. If you use the word always, then you are continuing something that is finished rather than starting something that is beginning. That's starting mess. God wants to bring a masterpiece out of your relationship, how you reconcile your humanity with another person. But if you are always focused on the mess that you think in your mind is unfinished, that's really finished, rather than on the masterpiece that God wants you to begin, you will never begin a relationship anew. Don't finish anything it wasn't good to start. I know this isn't right for me, but I'm not a quitter. Anybody ever said that to themselves? I just have a sense, I just got a feeling this ain't right. But I ain't no quitter, I ain't no punk. I'm not giving up on this, right? Can I let you know something? Like the body is stinking and rotting in your life. And you're talking about reviving something that's already gone? Why not just move away from the cave that has become your living room and move into a new space, maybe a kitchen. Start cooking something, Keisha. Maybe we need to move into a new room of our lives and stop using the excuse that we are not quitters as a reason to stick with something that's already gone and dead. Finish what you have started, but you'll never finish what you've started in a present relationship if you keep trying to start relationships that are already finished. How many times do we start a relationship either in the relationship that we're in? Okay, so you start a relationship with a new person and you start that relationship with them, but you keep an old relationship that's already finished to the side for text conversations every now and then. You know what I'm talking about? You just hit them up with a little text. How you doing? I'm praying for you. <laughs> and we think that that's noble. You know what I'm saying? How's your mama? Last I saw on Facebook, she was sick. <laughs> she need anything? <laughs> right, not you. She need anything, right? We keep these lines alive these lifelines alive that are already dead. You know that, right? And how can you start a new relationship with somebody new and you're still hanging on to a dead body from the past? Or even in a relationship. You've decided that you want to start something new, you know? Going to do away with the past. We're going to start fresh in this relationship. We're going to do it. We're going to make it more than what it was. Let's move forward. Let's go. Let's do it. But you still keep bringing up things from the past that are already finished 
to start a new way of relating to this person. Why not believe that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, that whatever hang-ups you had with the person you're in a relationship with, those things are just as dead as Jesus really was on the cross. End them. End them. Are your legs where Jesus's were? Sister Carter, would you bring me the legs? I mean, Regina, would you bring me the legs? <laughs> Sister Carter. Y'all remember uh, Pastor Carter? Uh, God bless his heart, he's, he's dead now. But Pastor Carter, when we were a part of another ministry, um, because that ministry didn't trust us to do our own communion, would always come every first Sunday. Oh, thank you. Where's my cake? <laughs> and Pastor Carter would, uh, uh, this is a tall gal, ain't she? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Carter would, um, he would always come and do communion for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. And Pastor Carter, he would always walk up with a cake. Huh? <laughs> That's Mama got that lo this low rise on this uh, lady's bottom. She does Pilates too. She's in shape. <laughs> But uh, Pastor Carter, this has nothing to do with anything. I went too far, so what? Um, Pastor Carter, he said, uh, he would always come and do communion, and he would always come up with a cake. Y'all remember that cake, Pastor Carter? And he'd be like, Sister Carter, come get my cake. <laughs> and his wife would come and get the cake. She would move it like that before he could start communion. So thank you, Sister Carter, for bringing my legs. Um, oh, OK, let's do this. Turn to the scripture. Turn to Luke. How are you going to be like, you going to be messing with them legs, not tell me to turn to the scripture? You just, that's an abomination. Uh, uh, John, John chapter 19. But let's move, let's move forward. Uh, let's move to verse uh, ah, 32. Somebody read 19 verse 32. Check this out. Keep going. Whoa, stop right there. But when they came to whom? Jesus. Keep going. <laughs> and they saw that he was already dead. They saw that he was what? Already dead. Mm, then what? They did not break his legs. Let me tell you something. The tradition also was not just for a person to take one last gasp and die, <laughs> but also to accelerate the person's death because it takes a long time for a person to bleed out to death. Bless you. To bleed out to death like this here. So what they would do is they would break the legs to accelerate that person's death, hoping that maybe by shock the person would die when the legs were broken. Because most of the crucifixion was just a drama. But they needed to worship the next day, right? It was like, it's, it's time for church. We don't want to be seeing these dead bodies during church. Isn't that oxymoronic? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That the very same people who crucified the Savior of the cosmos, cosmos were the people who were concerned that his dead body would get in the way of their own worship to God. But anyway. They would break the legs, but the Bible says that Jesus chose to die before they chose to break his legs. Do you know what that communicates, most theologians say? Is that again, Jesus is communicating to us thousands of years from this moment that he made the choice to surrender to what was already finished. He didn't wait for his legs to be broken 
before he decided that now it was time to finish what was already finished. No, that boy took his own power in his hands. He surrendered movement with power. How many times do we keep going at something when God has told us that it's already finished? We keep moving in that direction. We believe that that momentum is moving us to a place where someday we'll get a medal for it, maybe, right? We'll get a medal for at least sticking in there. But how about God does not give you a medal for sticking in there? Because just because it's a good thing to do doesn't mean it's a God thing to do. Right. Listen to Adam and Eve. They'll tell you that story. Right? Just because it appears to be good doesn't mean it's God. Don't wait. You don't have to be broken down to finish, my friends. Finish with power. And so I, I look at these legs, and I think about um, often I was driving down the street, and, uh, and I saw the, I actually, I went to an exhibition that Anthony has at a mobile art gallery in a, on a bus. It's sick. What's the name of the bus, bro? Uh, Dormaloo, right there. Dor, pronounce Dormaloo. it? Dormaloo? Dormaloo? Yeah. Yeah, really. It's behind the gates of two names on the gallery over So where, uh, where is it going to be today? Today is at Gallery Chatan. Same place. Same place. Same, same spot. Thank you so much. It's a dope show. Anthony, the whole show is dedicated to, to Anthony's work. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Anyway, I was driving down the street, and I was thinking about this. I was like, dang, how have I allowed myself to be broken down before I finish what's already finished? Y'all with me? You know what I'm saying? How many times do I say to myself, I ain't going to stop this until God gives me a sign? What if God has already given you a sign, and the sign is go forward, but we're so focused on our own desires to make things work that we don't hear God's voice. So I was driving down the street and I was like, man, uh, how, how, can, how, can, how, how does this have context? And then a friend of mine called me, he's a guy who's, who's a musician from Nashville, really cool dude. He said, hey man, you are on my heart, uh, Jeremy. Y'all remember J uh, Jeremy from, um, Jeremy is Thad's partner, yeah, from Leeds. And Jeremy called me, he said, hey man, um, I wanted to talk to you about something. And I have not talked to Jeremy on the phone before. He and I just talked face to face. He's a member of this group called Leeds. Anyway, he was, he was like, man, I want to talk to you about something. I was like, yeah. He said, man, I feel like you're running in a direction simply because you believe you are a long-distance runner, but really, in this season, you're a sprinter. He said, you think that you will win a medal by running a longer distance. He said, but maybe God has equipped you in this season just to sprint from one project to the next, from one idea to the next, rather than keeping this old thing going for the long haul. And right as he said that I was at a stoplight, I couldn't find the bus. And I looked over, and I promised these legs were in the street. <laughs> these legs were, it was, like, it was like a divine mannequin miracle. <laughs> the legs were in the street. And in fact, I don't even know how they got there, but I had almost, I, I guess I drove to where I was going to run over the legs if I had kept going. And the legs literally stopped me in my tracks. I asked Regina to, to put clothes on them, um, but when I picked the when I saw the legs down like that, it looked like somebody had just got hurt, but their body parts was oh, yeah. chopped off. They was like, ah, oh, like this, like on Family Guy. When, <laughs> but then when I when I put the legs in the right position, I was like, oh no, it's not like a person who got hurt. It's like a woman who just got a really nice kiss, like this here. You know what I'm talking about? How ladies be like this and they kiss them, they be like this here. You know what I'm talking about? You see? <laughs> they were like, they'd be like, ooh, mm, kiss, kiss him. 
I thought to myself, um, the, the, the word worship is translated in the ancient language to mean a kiss. So to worship God literally means to engage in a kiss and a, and a sweet, nurturing kiss from the creator of the cosmos. So that the more we worship God, the more we experience like a kiss from the savior of the cosmos. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? Maybe if I put my legs in the right position, I can truly worship God and experience the joy that comes from a kiss from the savior of the world, from God. Are your legs in the wrong position, my friends? Are you trying to play long distance in relationships when really God has told you that that heat is over? It's cold. <laughs> you still running on the track and the lights are off. Everybody else is at home watching Empire and you're there <laughs> running a long distance race. But God is saying it is what? Don't be broken down before you, by the power of Jesus, decide to finish things that are already done. It is finished. This comes to work too. How many of you know that you will never start a new project if you're always starting old projects that are already finished, that you can't do nothing about, they failed? Leave them alone, stop trying to fix them. Let them go. Stop starting what is finished so that you can start something that will finish well. Jesus said on the cross, it is what? Finished. Today, that's what I want you to do. I want you to bring that life that you know is already finished to the altar. It's already done. You've been imagining ways to reinvent it, reimagine it, reinvigorate it, to enliven it, to resurrect it, but God is saying it is finished. It may be a relationship with another person. It may be a relationship with yourself, the way that you talk to yourself. It is what? Finished. finished. Stop. Stop. It may be a relationship with the way that you think about your future, meaning you are afraid to think positively of the future as if it's some kind of superstition. Like if I think good about what's about to happen, then something bad's going to happen. But if I just don't think about anything at all, then I'm just going to get whatever the, the universe. I, I love how people talk about the universe. The universe is just going to give me what the universe is just going to give me. How can what was created give you anything creative? The universe was created. Only the creator is the navigator of what is creating in your life. So we say to ourselves, you know what? No, I'm just going to let it hang. No, 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 no. Change the way that you think. It is finished. Put your legs in the right positions, my friends, so that you are not crippled. Put your mind in the right positions, my friends, so that you are not bound. It is finished. It is finished. How can we start and maintain new relationships? By not starting what is already finished and by starting only what we can finish what? Yeah. 